We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Happy Hour. It's a little after 5 o'clock. A lot of you are probably still at work. I technically am, too, but I said to heck with it. Uh, Also, I finally got my dog to stop uh, terrorizing the house, and now she is sitting on me, and I figured we would talk some Mavs. Um, If you missed our CBA show the other night, uh, Scott over at Mavs Moneyball uh, wrote up a big part of you know what we talked about in terms of the various things that that would happen if Jalen uh, Brunson were involved in a sign and trade. We also had the Spotify Live where he talked and answered questions for a while. Um, that was a lot of fun. We've not had a ton of stuff over at Mavs Moneyball um, just because honestly I'm tired. Uh, and then our um, you know, our, our parent company is about to go on strike, which makes things a little weird for us uh, contractors, but that's that. All right, so, you know, uh, feel free to come up here and let's talk about whatever anybody's feeling like talk about. So coming up first is my dude, Grayson. What's going on, man? Hey, Kirk. I was uh, I was checking out the CBA Mavs piece about JV and uh, a lot of great info there, but I kind of feel like, am I the only person that wants them to just keep Brunson around, just retain him? Uh, I mean, I know, like, a lot of people want to see a sign-in trade and I, I wouldn't be like totally against that but he took a huge leap this year and you know i think not extending him during the regular season was a huge mistake and huge mistake around okay i i i'm still curious like the order of events with that in season we've heard i think now three different stories um tim mcmahon has has said a couple of things on record and things seem to have changed to where for anybody who doesn't remember the basically the the Mavericks say that they ought like that they didn't offer the extension to Brunson, which would have been relatively cheap. It was like four years and like thirteen million a season, something like that. Uh for uh because they wanted to have flexibility heading into the trade deadline. 
earlier in the season, McMahon had reported that the Mavericks didn't offer it to him kind of out of respect for the fact that he would turn it down. And so there's just no point. And then Brunson's dad said that, you know, they just, they, it's going to be really expensive and that they would have accepted it. I don't really care at this point. It's been, you know, that whole contract situation was mismanaged by Donnie Nelson years ago by, by letting him his for you know, by letting this contract be unrestricted. But, um, that's a different story for a different day. I agree with you. I, I'm kind of settling on a relatively boring offseason and that's fine. We had a good regular season. You know, you don't get to the Western Conference finals and then decide to mix everything up. Um, I know a lot of people are worried about the bird rights trap because you're just going to have a really expensive team. Like the Mavericks might, their salary might be like 180 million for basically the same group of guys. Um, once Brunson gets tacked on and Luca, you know, Luca starts making 36 million, but that's just the way it goes. Um, you know, the, the Mavericks have uh, with Donnie Nelson, like Nelson and Cuban didn't do a good job managing anything after, after, uh, they drafted Luca. And so the, you know, you end up paying for it in one way or another. Your margin for error is thin, but the the Mavericks are a good basketball team. So it's like if they rolled out a lot of the same dudes and maybe got like a, a, a different center so we didn't have to watch Dwight Powell, I think I'd be fine with that. Yeah, me too. I feel like they could easily upgrade at the at the center position and get, you know, a glass cleaner, a rim protector without sacrificing Brunson. And what one piece of that um, article that I thought was fascinating that I hadn't really considered or heard much about was the fact that if we do trade Brunson, his salary is only worth 10 million in a trade because uh, there's like a 120% increase or something like that. Uh, See, that's what, like I, I edited the piece. I've been on a podcast with Scott, like, and so, you know, I, like I'm a database manager. I deal with numbers all day long. Like some of this stuff is still like, I'm just like, huh? And and in my brain, I'm just, I, I've just sort of accepted that it is complicated. Yeah, I feel like it it exponentially complicates the whole thing because there's not a lot of players. If let's say we give him 20 a year, half of that's 10, and we decide to sign and trade him. Um, I mean, there's not a whole lot of star players in the NBA that are making 10 million dollars a year. So I mean, you could probably tack tack on like the Ber- the Bertans contract or something like that. But it just makes it so much more complicated. I just hope that they they ship out a few pieces um, and just upgrade at the center position. And yeah. uh, that's really all I'm hoping for this off season. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think having mar like I think having marginal expectations is, is the best way to approach it. Now we don't really know what the Mavericks philosophy is on drafting. There's still a lot of interesting things to, to look ahead to. Um but free agency, you know, Nico, when he went on, I think he went on, what's the, what's the, the Eagle, whatever the, the, fan, the, the yeah, no, he went on the, 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 with skin, uh, skin and, um, Ben Rogers, like the, the Eagle, the fan, I don't know, one of those, uh, which, whichever one of them, he went on one of them and the expectation setting was very like, you know, we got the underlying theme was like making any changes is difficult and that's okay. I'm okay with that. I really am. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of teams that are exactly lining up to trade us a solid rim protector. Um, that's why I think we should go and offer Dwight Powell to Indiana. Or it's Indiana, right? The one that yeah. they have Rick, because I know Rick loves that dude so much. So anyway, all right, I'll shut up now. Um, right. Also, last thing I'll say, not my money. So if they go into right. the luxury tax, I don't care. Yeah, me either. Me either. All right, talk soon. Appreciate it. Okay, just to make this fun, we have a different Grayson. Hi, Grayson. Hey, Kirk. Can you hear me? Welcome. What's up? Hey, I have a quick question that I wanted to 
get your opinion on. So as you probably are well aware of, the original trade exception that we had from the Harrison Barnes deal never got used. And now we have the Josh Richardson trade exception. I know he doesn't fit in the rim protector and like massive rebound upgrade role, but Rashawn Holmes would fit into the trade exception. And I'm having, I guess, like a tough time finding pieces that teams would be willing to let go for. Yeah, there's not many. Because it's pretty much a bunch of rookie scale guys and then a bunch of not that great players. And then you get like Kobe White maybe as well. Right. And then you just get to have to pay him. So would you be willing to part with 26 for Rashawn Holmes? Is that a little too rich for your blood? Or do you think we just kind of go the classic Mavs route and just waste another trade exception? I mean, trade exceptions are like this is this is kind of why Scott is writing this stuff, because there are elements of the way these things get packaged to us as fans that, you know, years and years ago, there was, you know, my, my buddy fit Mike Fisher did this with like the, the dust chip and all that stuff. And what ends up happening is because we talk about something being possible over time, we all kind of collectively convince ourselves that something is likely. <laughs> and, Trade exceptions rarely get used comparative yeah. to how often they get created. So I, I like this one always felt more difficult to do. So I, I that would kind of be my like I, I really wouldn't want to give up pick twenty six. The Mavericks need young, inexpensive assets, but at the same time, the argument then is, well, Kirk, it's pick twenty six. Like what are you getting with pick twenty six? And I, I, I understand that one too. Um, I, I'd probably be fine with both because Holmes is sort of the perfect guy for the short roll with Luca, um, at least on offense. Because that you know, like how shot he has is just is, absolutely butter. It's murderous, and and that's the shot that teams end up sort of because like think about how many times that teams were doubling Luca and Powell would have the ball there, kind of at like the 15 foot area, and Powell actually did a really good job moving the ball. But it's just like the ability to score out of that and not just pass is pretty inc- is is it would be pretty incredible. Also, I had another thing on the Rashawn Holmes. I'm not like tied to him, but I just think sure, he's, no, he's a, a guy. Like, I understand. He's a he's a cheap player, and they got Sabonis, and they lost a lot of minutes for him with Sabonis. But the right. big thing I was kind of waiting on was is that he had a domestic violence uh, issue, and that was 100 percent resolved. And then he ended up getting custody of the kid. So I feel like if you're getting the custody of the kid that you were said to abuse, you probably didn't do anything. So I guess now that that's clarified, I have a lot more interest in potentially going after him because, I mean, I don't think I need to explain that you don't really want a bad character guy (laughs) on the team. You know, know, like that's not exactly a huge, bold statement there, but it was something I was kind of waiting on to see how it resolved before I really kind of, threw my eggs in the Rashawn Holmes basket again. I get, but, I get yeah, that. It is what it is. I get that for sure. All right, Kirk. Thank you, man. I'll hop off and uh, sure. I'll let someone else come on. It's been a while since I spoke, but I've uh, been listening. Love the content, so keep it up. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, I have been slacking this week on my normal kind of content output because day job is crushing me, and honestly, I was kind of wanted to watch some TV and basketball, so we'll see. Um, Matt Phillips, what's up, buddy? How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I was just going to say that uh, I'm glad that he went a different way with that because I was not aware of the Rashawn Holmes uh, domestic violence thing. And when he first started to say that, I thought he was going to say he fit well here because of that. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a dark story. Uh, so going on from that, Rashawn Holmes is not good, guys. Just FYI, like I think people think he's better defensively than he is, but he's he's worse defensively than Dwight Powell. Like he he is not a good defender at all. He's anchored the worst defense in the history of the NBA, the the like fifth worst defense in the history of the NBA, and then last season when they didn't play him as much, they moved up to like just the regular fifth fifth worst defense in the league that year. Like he is absolutely horrendous defensively. I know people think he's good, but he's just not. Um, if we're gonna go that route, I, I'm all for getting a center if the situation calls for it. Uh, I've actually gone to a dark place in that. Uh, I really think Rudy Gobert may end up being the best option just because the Mavs don't have assets for anybody more than him other than hopefully just giving back salary. But see, that's why I just don't like that's why I agree with with Grayson number one to where it's like I sort of don't think they do anything because the 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 thing that I like I was like briefly tweeted back and forth with with Lauren Gunn the other day about this. If the Mavs make a big move, it is the last big move. You're gambling that that is the move that works and that you are happy because otherwise you're basically riding yourself. Like if this doesn't, if any big move they make, if it doesn't work, Luka Doncic is out of here. <laughs> I'm just sorry, we gotta say that shit out loud. Um, I, I mean, yes and no. Like I, I see that to a certain extent, but Gobert would look fantastic here. Like I mean. As the rim roller and everything, he'd average like 20 and 15 here. And I I think that like the Levine thing, I was super high on Levine for a while because the offensive fit for Levine and Luca, which one, this is ignoring the ridiculous, like what tiny percentage chance there is to get him. But the offensive fit's great. But uh, uh, Luca Doncic and Zach Levine backcourt is never winning a title. Like that's among the worst defenses. Wow. Well, you're, you're fired immediately. I- I, I love Levine. The <laughs> offensive fit's amazing. But when Luka is the better defender of your backcourt, that that's really not the answer. And I I just – if you're going to go all in, like a frontcourt of, of Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith, and, and Rudy Gobert would make a lot more sense as far as making up for Luka and Jalen Brunson's defensive issues than having uh, Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith, and, and Maxi Kleba trying to make up for – for Luca and Levine, like it's just, I don't know. It's it's a weird spot because I'm super happy for the season they had, but I'm also a little pensive about where they go from here because I don't really want them to turn into the Damian Lillard Portland Trailblazers that take a Western Conference Finals appearance and then just get stuck there because you know, hey, we can't let anything go. But I also, I I really don't see a lot for them to do other than if. If, like, say, Utah is just married to the idea of getting rid of, getting rid of Gobert or something like that. And so other than that, if they can't do any of that, my last thing is I would like to see them try to deal their first-round pick this year for their first-round pick next year in order to try to get rid of the stipend restrictions if somebody demands a trade. I might have to have Scott Wright on this because I don't know if it actually does that. Um, it's, it's, it's really challenging. Uh, he was talking about this the other night. I cannot remember what his final answer was, whether it actually fulfills, like making sure that you're not violating the stepping rule, but that's my yeah. like my understanding of it. Cause I've looked it up is my understanding is as long as it is exactly the same thing to where they get their pick back, like they couldn't trade for like the Lakers first round pick next year or um, the Lakers, don't right. them, but they couldn't trade for random team wise first round pick next year. And then say that, that they're stepping in clear. But my understanding is if they traded the exact rights to their pick back, that it would clear the stepping rules. Um, and if they do that, then 
like I mentioned this, I talked to X privately about this a little bit, but the Mavs can't really outbid anyone in an even game. So the only thing I want them to do is to at least get enough assets that if they get into a rigged game where someone really wants to come here, that they can at least win that. Like you can't win a fair game, then try to at least be able to win a rigged one is really the only thing I've got. Mm, okay. Well, I mean, I'm going to go play with my dog. All right. Have a good day. Um, you know, if anybody else wants to come up, please, please do. Cause this is just sort of one of, one of these more interesting things for me, because if you, if you get down to it, this was what the, the concern has always been. This team gets very expensive very quickly. And like the expensive is neither here nor there. What comes with being expensive is a lack of flexibility. Um, and then when you owe the draft picks, it's just, it finds itself challenging. So it's like the different things that we're all kind of casting out in the universe, you know, the, like the, the go bear one that Matt just said, like, number one, I agree with, um, who is it in here? Um, someone just said that, uh, Tim Patrick says it's like, you know, they wouldn't take what we would offer. I, I think that's true. So it's like, you know, it's not like you want to send out one of the wings, uh, and Bullock and Dorian Finney Smith who helped make the defense great because it's like, you're just changing problems. Um, and team building is difficult. Like there's, there's just no real way around some of that because it, you have, uh, I will probably just repeat this all summer long. Like once you do the hard part of getting the super duper star, your margin for error becomes increasingly thin with each passing year. It just is, is the nature of it. And when you, the Porzingis thing, I, I, I didn't like the deal at the time. I was on record for it. And it, I understand why they did it, you know, but it, it just, it's one of those things where it's like they, they move the cart so far ahead of the horse because they're trying to pair superstars together. And when something like that doesn't work, which they admitted it, and then they traded everything. And then we went to the Western Conference Finals anyways. It's why I'm like, I'm, I'm just sort of settling on the fact that I largely think this team will be back as is. And then the Mavericks will figure out what to do next uh is kind of where my head is okay coming up next we got nick hey nick how you doing hey what's up all of them the same setup can you hear me i can what's going on hey i'm sorry i was driving so i don't know if you can hear me but if not feel free to kick me off yes we can you can't hear us though is the problem yep top-notch audio that's okay um anyways leo what's going on buddy hi um i knew you were asking for ideas for content uh last week and i was wondering have you thought about doing a piece with both the atlanta hawks and with the memphis grizzlies seeing as both of them kind of mirror uh either before or are now kind of where we're at the memphis grizzlies are a team that uh though are in the same position as us have a much higher ceiling to get to seeing as as if as they have more talent and more picks but also have so much more far to go in the playoffs and have expectations now set upon them and the atlanta hawks being where we were at this year last year where they have just hit the conference finals they're paying their guys know how much to do in free agency but have had a really bad slip and seeing what their notes are on on how to handle as a fan base uh, expectations going to the new season. Well, the Grizzlies are less fun to talk about because they just make me mad because they've done all the things that I wish Dallas would have done. But the Hawks are kind of a, a, a comp point that I think is much fun. Uh, that is much more interesting to um, 
to kind of look at because the Hawks were very much a disease of more team where I remember Trey Young gave a quote like really early in the season about how it's like, this is boring, you know, the regular season. And then they didn't like, they technically didn't make the playoffs. Or, I mean, did they, I can't remember They're The Hawks are terrible though. They were terrible for way too long. Um, yeah, they, they're a playing team. What's wrong with me? Um, but it, it was just, the the fan side of this is is a part of the question that I like because one of the things that I not to like dad out and tell people how to fan, but you just sort of noticed this this year where like our on social media at least elements of our fan base were absolutely crazy. Um I understand why Doncic is drives you to, to be insane for your team, but it's the expectations of everything can really weigh down what's supposed to be fun about this. And the the simple likelihood is that next year, the Mavericks won't get back to the Western conference finals. They won't finish as a top four team in the league, not because they aren't capable of it, but because winning is hard. And that's, that's just sort of where, where my head is at the moment. Um, Let's see. Um, what? And Go one ahead. last thing, as far as whenever we do set expectations as you as a creator and us as fans, do you think with the team that has Luka Doncic that has shown that has that slowly ramps up throughout the season, should we maybe set our expectations by like halfway through the season after Christmas or around the trade deadline? God, that's, Thank a, you. Fun, that's a fun question because so much of what the Mavericks did this year is they started out so bad that they didn't really have anywhere else to go but up. Um, you know, you kind of have like a baseline with Luca, but then COVID and all the weird stuff from December, um, 2020, 2019, 2020 was, it was kind of a mirror where the Mavericks started off, I think like 16 and five. And then after a certain point, they just played 500 basketball because everybody started to get hurt. Um, oh man, there's not much we can do about it, but so much of this is going to be dictated on where Luca is mentally. Um, the Trey Young thing that I said about like not taking the regular season seriously when Luca Luca has to play 70 plus games next year for the Mavericks to be like a top three seed. And almost everything is Luca's the wellspring for almost everything else. So if he comes into camp looking great, if he feels good, wants to move it along, then the Mavericks could really do something. Um, if they do what they did this last year, which was play 500 basketball for the first 35 games and then play like seven, you know, win like 75% of their games down the stretch that I, that's not really something you can expect because there's the Mavericks, they didn't get lucky. They actually had kind of a hard schedule second half of the year, but it's just basketball is complicated and you've got to control what the elements you can control as a team. And a lot of that starts with, you know, players being in shape and, buying into the system and coaches figuring out things that work and then actually using them, which is something Rick Carlisle like never did. Drove me crazy. Um, okay. We're going to try Marcellus. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me? I can. Welcome. Kirk, how you doing, man? I'm all right. What's going on? Not much. Hey, I appreciate you uh, inviting me on long time listener. This is my first time actually coming up here to speak with you. Um, I've seen you actually a couple of times out when at that, I think at that game that you ended up going to last year or this past season, I saw you there, but um, I'm sure you've answered this question a million times and I am a prisoner of the moment, but I'm just curious as to 
who you would like to see drafted with our 26 pick? Ooh, I haven't answered this a million times because it, it I've yet one of the only time I was ever really, really versed in draft stuff was 2018 because I saw the first Smith uh, first game of Dennis, Dennis Smith's rookie season and I was like, well, this is going to be a tough one for us um, because that team was very bad and so I got like really invested in Luca very early on um, though that just ended up being an amazing draft class. Right now, I'm kind of still mentally waffling on what position I want them to draft for. Um, there's a strong argument to be made that drafting a center that can play 12 minutes a game, like Sarge used to do back in the heyday of uh, post-championship Mavericks, you know, just there's like Walker Kessler, and then there's the guy from France, um, and there's just a number of guys that look like you know, like a pick and roll scheme, you could you could play them. But then big men are just the least valuable of the three position groupings and the most readily available kind of in the marketplace. And if you were to group them by like guards, wings, and bigs. Um, so I, I, maybe that's not really a good use of draft capital. So then it comes back to, do you want to take a big swing on a wing at 26 that will fall to 26 for a reason. Um, guys that have either red flags or aren't good at particular things, you know, it, it's that, that's sort of where I, I think at the end, you know, I, I hated when they drafted Josh Green as a project. So I'd be extremely hypocritical of me to, to like lean in and say, I think they need to draft another wing project. So I, I just I'm sort of torn at the moment. Is there anybody that you have like looked into so far? Not really, man. I'm I'm not much of a draft guy myself, but um, I'm going to be honest with you. My my Mavs information consumption usually consists of either you or Lockdown. Oh my Mavs, god! So. Well, then you're screwed because we're all idiots. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, not not idiots, not at all, man. Um, y'all are excellent at what you do, but um, I think. I, I would go with the wing, similar to what you were saying. Um, I think that draft capital right now or um, just the, the big man is kind of going away in the league. Um, I think that wings and guards are going to be more valuable um, going forward. But I did have some interest in um, – I know that they mentioned Wendell Moore uh, this morning on their podcast and um, looked up a little bit of highlights with him, and I was fairly interested in him, but – I don't really have any. Op- Do you? Would you be opposed to them trading away this pick? I would not be pleased. The thing that has interested me that I have no idea if this is real, but drafting like trading down, like the the Magic have a couple of of thirties second rounders, I think, where and they also have like a bajillion young players, so. You know, it, are there two, are there enough guys that sort of fall in this gray zone that you know you'd want to take two of them? Now the Mavericks don't even have two draft slots or uh, two roster spots because they have so many people filled with guys that shouldn't be on the team. But that's a different problem for if they were to do something like this. But that's kind of where I am. I love youth. I I love on basketball teams because you just this is my age and also probably rose colored glasses, but. The 2003 season with Josh Howard and Marquise Daniels giving a really good Mavericks team, 2003-04, I mean, giving a really good Mavericks team minutes 
was so important. Just it mattered. And I, I loved that. Um, and I would love to see something like that again. You know, okay, not... Josh, Josh, uh, my buddy Josh in the says, I love you, says the man who slanders the youngest player on the team repeatedly. That's because Josh Green is not good at basketball. They drafted <laughs> an athlete. He is not good at basketball. People tell me, it's like, give me a basketball skill that he aids in the team with besides running around like a chicken with his head cut off. He's not a good defender. He's not a good three-point shooter. He is a good passer. Josh Green point, like, like point minutes. I hope they send him to Vegas and we get to see Josh Green point guard. That'd be a, that'd be a riot. Well, and here's my thing. I know that um, trading down is not of interest to me either, but um, I know that the locked on guys were saying that window more could fall into that 30 um, or within the 30. So it may work out in our favor, but um, as I say that they also mentioned that he does have a comparison to Josh green and that God, is- wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> Just get two Josh greens. Looking for, but um, I mean, he seemed like a more promising playmaker and um, if he can hold up that shot, I mean, it, it seems like it could transfer to the NBA I don't know, man. He just seems like a playmaker that we might need. He could be that seventh guy or eighth guy off the bench that we need in the playoffs. Um, maybe not in year one, but um, a lot quicker development than we see. Sure. Well, that, the other thing about the, the minutes and stuff is, like, we saw the Mavs play, like, six and a half guys in the playoffs. If they come back next year and Josh Green is still a member of the Mavericks, and if they use their draft pick, they have to play these guys. They have to. Josh Green still didn't play enough minutes. I think he stinks, but you can't play 10 and a half minutes a game. You have to play like 16 minutes and actually get shot attempts up. I see all these weird things where people are like, oh, well, he can take the Dorian Finney-Smith route. Someone please go look. Dorian Finney-Smith shot 300 three-pointers his third season. Do we think Josh Green is doing that? No. But I would like it if they did. I would like it if he did because, it, there, you know, you've got to find out what you have. I still tend to agree with – and it's funny because his, his name is also Josh. My buddy, my buddy Josh in the chat here, who who was like, it's like we got to give him a chance. It's like I I do understand why people feel that way. It's just every time they give him a chance, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> so well, I I definitely think that he he took a lot. He had a lot, quite a few more attempts this year, and it seemed like he was getting that confidence and getting that shot back towards the end of the season. But as we got into the playoffs, it kind of just disappeared again. So. I don't know. Maybe it's just a stepping stone in the progress of it. So I appreciate you taking uh, taking sure. the time, Kurt. So that was great. That was a great question. Talk soon. Talk soon. Hope you come back. All right. See what else we got here. We had more questions as the rooms moved along. Tyron, what's happening? Tyron, are you there? Very good yes, avatar. Can you hear me? Yeah. What's going on? Uh, not much. How you doing? I am all right. All right, cool. Yeah, I got a couple questions, and I just jumped in here not too long ago. I hope you haven't already touched on them. Uh, anyways, I'm not too well versed with the whole off-season trading contracts and all that. Oh, it's a disaster. I run a website, and I still don't know anything about it. But it's all right. <laughs> but I was just uh, wondering, uh, why would you keep uh, people like Josh Green, Trey Burke, uh Sterling Brown and all this, all this kind of stuff, and you're flirting with the luxury tax this season. What's the point? Um, well, like if they sign Brunson, they go into the luxury tax. They're like four or five million under. Like the, anything they do, they're in the luxury tax. So we should just assume that. Josh Green, you keep around because he's young. Those other guys, you you eject directly into space and say thank you for your time <laughs> and move along. 
and I don't care if Cuban has to eat the money, you go sign different players. Like the it's you have to have some back bench guys that click. And Frank Nilakino was like the closest thing the Mavericks had. And Frank was terrible for a significant part of the season. Yeah, he was. And he was the only one. Like it was real bad. You just have like a whole bunch of I don't want to call them like wasted roster spots. I've done that a lot. It's not fair. But it's like roster spots that aren't contributing. Right. And that's what I was wondering too, because I see a lot of uh guys that could fill those roles for not a not as much money because we have a bunch of bad contracts I'd like to get off of. Uh, yeah. They just need to cut them is what they need to do. Like they exactly. needed to cut Trey Burke and sign Goran Dragic, and they didn't. And yeah. that'll something like that I expect will actually happen. Like like ninety eight year old Goron will be a Maverick next year. I don't know why. <laughs> so and see, I thought I was missing something because that isn't uh, something that's often discussed when it comes to Maverick Summers. But uh, anyway, uh, I know I've heard somebody talking about the uh, draft upcoming. I really hope that uh, they go get Jalen Williams. Uh, Which if you guys one? haven't, isn't there two? Uh, the guy from. Arkansas. Is that Arkansas? Okay, so the, the the kind of power forward guy who plays really hard defense. He looks like a Super Saiyan Jalen Brunson. But tall? I guess he does kind yeah. of look like him now that you're saying that. <laughs> Same but, name and everything, right? Yeah, well, it's yeah, like the uh, dome. There's a – yeah, okay. But, yeah, if, uh, if you guys haven't checked him out, I highly encourage uh, you to check him out. I personally think that he'd be an awesome fit for the Mavs. He's a high IQ guy. Uh, awesome passer, and I think he led the SEC in charges, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he did. Yeah, he, I saw some played, of the charges. Yeah, and he plays with incredible energy, and that that would uh, that would be awesome because uh, our big men aren't the smartest in the world. Anyway, I'm gonna let y'all get to it. <laughs> Thank you. It was good talking to you, Curtis. Me too. Appreciate you coming up. All right. Uh-huh. All right. Who else we got here? We got Manny. Hey, Manny. What's going on? Top-notch avatar pick as well, Luca getting kicked in the nuts. Yo, what's up? <laughs> what's up? What's up, Greg? Just a nice little Friday here. Okay, nice. Um, I was just here to kind of speak about the draft. I know, um, you know, uh, a lot of people are kind of, like, interested in that, uh, in that area. Like, I want to give you a name that I think some people should have an eye on. That's a total sleeper. Well, not a total sleeper, but Gabriele Procida from Italy. Have Have you heard of that name before, Kurt? I have not. International guy. Like the closest thing I've heard of international guys is uh, our man from Hustle, uh, Bo. What's his name? Uh, which everyone should watch Hustle, by the way. But no, tell me more. Mm. Okay, this guy, okay, he's 6'7", right? And he's like a shooting guard, small forward wing. Um, he's extremely talented to me. And he's playing like, you know, in, in the Euro League, he's playing with grown men already, kind of like how Luca did it. Of course, he's not playing on the level that Luca did, but he's still playing alongside, you know, grown men. So, you know, as far as like physical contact goes, I think Procida should be pretty good in the NBA. Um, but when I was watching him, he kind of reminded me, I'm, this is going to sound probably crazy and I'm not saying he's going to be as good as him, but like Ginobili a little, he doesn't have the playmaking ability, but like his IQ is really good. 
he has sneaky, sneaky athleticism. Like he can, he can go up for posters sometimes. Um, probably not in the NBA, but, uh, I don't know. This guy is just really, really good to me. Um, so I think like Maz fan or just, you know, anyone interested in the draft. Somebody in the chat, find a link about him. Put, Cause I, I currently have a dog sitting on me and I can't reach my computer. Um, uh-huh. oh, that's fascinating. All right. Yeah, uh, he's a really good player. And then my other two, you know, as someone mentioned before, Wendell Moore. Um, I see him as like a kind of nice 3 and D player in the league. Or um, EJ Liddell as well, I like from yep. Ohio State. I think, he's, I think he could be like a versatile so, wing type player. So EJ Liddell, t- draft stock, took a hit when he listed his favorite Marvel movies. And his favorite <laughs> one of all time was Ant-Man 2. Uh, we, I, just, I have questions. I, I I will need further explanation of all that. No, but I, I he's an interesting player for sure. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. That Marvel pick is is terrible in my opinion. <laughs> it but, was the funniest thing. Uh, where I was like, how does this happen? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, but you know, to me, he's like a he's like a Jeff Green type player to me. Um, I think he could be like a solid wing. But that's all I wanted to say. You know. Um, you know, hope you're doing good. Hope you know you're doing good with your uh, your new dog as well. Hope, you and know, catching some she sleep. Is, <laughs> she is tough. Like it is. I'd forgotten puppy stage stuff. Like it's 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 rough. But she's uh, she'll be great one day. She's sleeping next to me now. But for like 30 minutes before the show, she was just like attacking my feet. Like what is happening? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's annoying right there. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you have a good day. Thanks for joining All right. us. All right. Thank you very much, Kurt. Yep. So coming up uh, in a second here, I got a few more people, but I just I need to plug Hustle. Um, I'm now like a Juan uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez fan. Where the movie was so well put together that it convinced me that Hernan Gomez is a defensive player. He is not for anybody that has ever watched the game. It was just a lot of fun. Anthony Edwards is incandescent. I mean. He 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 should be like he should be like the next Marvel supervillain. He is he was like oh man I love this movie. If you're if you don't have anything to do another finals game night. If you don't have anything to do tomorrow night, it's a great use of your time. Um and my man Steven in the chat called it punch dunk love. Um yes outstanding by the way. All right coming up next is Jacob. Hey what's going on man? Hey Kirk. Uh, hope you're doing all right. Uh, I'm fine. Thank you. Awesome. So I guess over the past, I don't know, day or two, I've kind of become, I don't know if enamored is the right word, but interested in maybe trading with Indiana. Uh, I feel like that's the team that if we were to make a deal, uh, I feel like it would work out uh, pretty well for us because I, I, I'm i not going to pretend to know Indiana, uh, the Pacers situation uh, completely, but I'd have to imagine that you know, they're going to rebuild and probably the only untouchable on their roster is Tyrese Halliburton. And so I was kind of, kind of maybe convincing myself that TJ Warren might be a buy low risk here or a low buy risk here. Cause I, mean, he's I certainly think he is. he's with the injury stuff has yeah. to be right. 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 So it, like I, I would, I, I don't think that's a bad idea to uh maybe uh I don't know how much he's, he's a free worth, agent, but he's a free agent. So I, he'll be somebody that the Mavs probably consider for free agent stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I don't think doing like maybe a sign and trade to get off a bad contract or whatever would be a, the worst idea. And then uh, I'm sure the pick that we give him probably be heavily protected. But, uh, you know, if we 
did keep him, and then uh, that would force I would I would think Reggie Bullock to the bench. I mean, I, I don't think that's that bad of a idea. And then you pair, and then you also get like maybe Hardenstein or maybe Mo Bamba, and then so, so I, I I think the worst thing that we could do is doing nothing over the off season. Sure. Well, I mean, they're gonna do like I think they have their their mid level exception. Um, okay. They have some some like there's definitely some options. It's just most of us. I think are focused on figuring out a way to get the guy. Cause like they have so many guaranteed contracts. They give like, what are they doing? We talked, we talked about this last show. They gave uh Marquise Chris a, a guarantee for next year. Why? What are we, what for is the, are we a charity or a basketball program? Don't forget the Trey Burke opt-in. Oh, the Trey. Uh, <laughs> I told somebody about this. I remember arguing and I went and found the tweets. I should, I'm, I'm above this now. I'm not this petty anymore. But I remember arguing with some guy while I was standing in line at Best Buy and I was like on my phone. My wife was mad at me and this guy being like, well, the front office knows what they're doing. And I'm like, the fuck they do. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Gosh, what a thing. Hello. That is um, come on now. He's not a true mass fan. (sighs) You're not a true mass fan. If you haven't under, if you haven't gone through the grind of the off season over the years. Well, I mean the, the, the Mavericks, the one thing they're like, they're terrible at the off seasons of the past 10 years, but they're really good at telling you how good they are at off seasons. So it's like, I get it. If you're kind of a, you know, every now and again fan, there's a lot of sports to consume out there. It's like Mark Cuban tells you they had a great off season. Like who are you going to believe Mark Cuban or some asshole named Kirk? Unfortunately, the answer is Mark Cuban. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can always complain to him on Twitter, though. He's, like, the most online owner. I did, actually. I sent him an email <laughs> yesterday because I was like, hey, why don't why don't you guys ever publicize um, the draft, like, uh, workout people? Because, like, the Lakers do that. The Charlotte Hornets do it. And it's just, like, it's free buzz and allows us to get excited over pointless stuff. But it, it, since nothing means anything, why not? Like, why not? And he, he responded back was, he said, you know, you'll have to ask Nico, which I will probably try to. Um, but, I, man, I wish they talked about that stuff. Because how much fun, like, we read into everything as is. Instead of reading into, like, like the Jalen Brunson war of 2022, I would much rather talk about, like, uh, uh, Coloquo or some of these other people that, like, should, might come in for a workout. Like, that'd be much more fun than this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd have to agree. So I, 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 I get the whole the whole thing for me coming up here was uh, Indiana talk, and so I, I just kind of. I'm curious. Back. No, there you're you're definitely not alone there. Um, Mark Stein doesn't think that the Mavs are particularly interested in uh, Turner, but that you know that sort of stuff could change. Stein came on our show right at the playoffs and said he didn't think any Mavericks assistant coaches would be going anywhere this season, and um, yeah. Krokoskoff left and. You know, we got uh, what's uh, what's our other guy's name leaving. Um, yeah, he's leaving soon too, so, or not leaving, but he's interviewing for the Jazz job. So yeah, I just you know, saw that uh, Charlotte filled their uh, opening, so that's one less. T- I, I think it's just the Hornets and the Jazz looking for coaches, isn't it? Now uh, the Lakers filled it too, so I, I think so. Hopefully they uh, don't poach him because. I think he's the one that I yeah, I kind of think he's the I kind of think he's the head coach with the head coaching stuff. <laughs> I kind of think he's the special sauce that makes the coaching staff work. So Well, thank you, Jacob. Yeah, no problem. All right, we'll talk soon. All right. Um the last is my man Harold who would like to talk uh let's let's talk about the the draft prospect. Hey Kirk. Um, yeah, I've, I've been advocating for a Christian Coloco and, um, you know, the reason I've been advocating for him is because 
a lot of times, as we all know, when we're drafting around 26, it's there's a lot of unknowns involved, and you're just hoping to get someone that can be at least a rotational player. And um, the thing with Coloco that I really like is that he didn't come to the United States until he was 17 years old, okay? And for me, that, that tells me that he was playing in Cameroon, where he's from, against, you know, Cameroonian players, um, all through the, through the age of 17, moved to the United States because he was probably a lot better than everybody there, so he could play basketball here. He comes here his first year at Arizona. He's only playing like eight minutes a game or something like that, and he's shooting like 35% free throws, uh, which is horrible, obviously. Impressive. Yeah. I think there was a lot of confusion there, a lot of fear involved. And then his second year, he's up to like 55% free throws. And last year, as a seven foot one center, as we all know, really tall players tend to not shoot free throws very well, historically. As a seven foot one center, he's shooting, I believe it was 76%. So he's dramatically improved every single year. He blocked almost three blocks per game. In 25 minutes in his last year, his junior year, his trajectory is shooting up, up, up. Um, he, so we know that he's got the interior defense, um, which is something we, we obviously need. So at a minimum, he's going to be, the way I see it, at a minimum, he's going to be Willie Cauley-Stein, at a minimum. Um, and he's, his trajectory is up right now. We don't know how much he's going to continue to improve. Um, he sh- I, and I think there's a lot of... Uh, confusion involved when you come to a new country and I heard someone say that um, he's got concrete feet I guess what that means is that you know he wasn't moving very well on the perimeter Um, again I I chalked it up to a lot of confusion not knowing like where to be and he's simply getting better so I really hope the Mavs get him Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on him well I'm I mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm still kind of stuck on positional value. And I think that wings are still more like are significantly more valuable than any other position. But then I also made note of the fact of if I crush Josh green all the time, it's a little bit hypocritical of me to want them to draft another pro like probable project. I mean, I think that the plus side of potentially drafting any big is the bit you know being a big man on on defense is actually really really difficult in the nba you have a lot of responsibility but if the mavericks could play someone for 10 minutes a game like i see a path for a wing having 10 minutes per game or i'm sorry a big man having 10 to 15 minutes a game as a rookie much much more than i do a wing who like it's just like dorian and bullock are kind of the crux of the mavericks defensive scheme and I just I, I see a hot like like uh, I like this kid uh, I want to say plays for the G League Ignite like Marshawn Bochamp or whatever his name is like I like what I've seen of him but I also see him like getting glued to the bench in a way that a seven foot one guy would have just a different path to playing time if that makes any sense. Yeah, I I get it. I just think that with put, putting our draft pick on another guard or wingman. You really just don't know what you're going to get. I really sure. think that's a crapshoot. I mean, we have no idea. There's so many available. Look at, we had our choice between Josh Green, Sadiq Bay, all these people, and we just happened to pick, you know, one of the few that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's where, like, I, it's, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because I was thinking about this. You were talking earlier that I just forgot. I 
our staff at Mavs Moneyball became very invested in Desmond Bain, like early. Um, we did kind of a, a consensus thing, and Bain was the guy. Bain was like top two, I think, out of where we like ranked all of our picks as like a twelve-person staff. But this year, there's nothing like that. Um, so the likelihood of like all of us like crashing off the edge is different. Plus, you know, in hindsight, we're able to look at that 2020 draft and see that there were a ton of guys between picks, you know, 18 where the Mavs picked and like pick 40 that were like really, you know, functional basketball players. I don't really have high standards at this point, but I, I just, I don't see any moves involving the pick that like make the team significantly better. And plus, if you look at these these teams that are currently in the NBA Finals, their 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 core components were drafted, and then they're accentuated with free agency. The Mavs have tried to build through free agency for 15 years, and it just you know they got I don't want to say they got lucky in 2011, but pieces came together in the right way in 2011, and the path to sustainable success starts with the draft, and that's kind of why I I just I like it so much, even though the Mavericks haven't been very good at it. Yeah, I agree. Desmond Bain, every time I watch him with Memphis, I'm just drooling, thinking about wishing Luca was kicking out passes to him, him hitting the open three-pointer. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, Kirk, well, thank you for taking uh, my call. We'll call it a call. Great. Right. This is great. Thanks for coming up. Talk soon. Take care, bye. All right. Um... I've been trying to get together with Josh Bowe, but he and I are having like opposite schedules in the evening. So I think he and I are going to talk next week. I'm going to grab my guy, Bobby Corrala. I may try like all these different guys that do draft stuff. Uh, my friend Stone Hansen, who I went on his show last week. A lot of them have basically told me that it's, it's kind of pointless to talk until after the final deadline date where things start to solidify on, on, where people are more confident that picks might go in like the final 10 days. And we're just about, I don't know what the dress on the 24th. So I don't know. It, the, we're like a little under two weeks away. So probably second half of next week, there's a chance that I talk to somebody. I also want to get, um, I completely forgot about this. I'm going to need to message him. Um, one of our wonderful, uh, Slo- uh, he's not a Mavs Moneyball correspondent, but like, or uh, a couple of the Slovenian guys that are, uh, you know, doing stuff, getting ready for the different national team stuff that they're doing over there. There's going to be a lot that we can talk about. Um, I'm just, you know, between those of us who are hardcore fans, I'm just still so burnt from the, <laughs> the playoffs that I, I, uh, and my wife is like, why are you doing this? The season's over. But anyways, this has been uh, fun. A lot more fun. These are always more fun than I expect them to be. Just, you know, we started off as quiet. We've hung out for an hour. All right, guys. Um, I hope you enjoy your weekend and we will talk next week.